So hi everyone who's here. Um, so today we're actually going live with um, the Futurists. Uh, we're here to talk, uh, as we're here to come and talk, casual chat, and AMA. So if there's any questions that you want to hit us up, um, feel free to put down in the comments. Uh, Shinji will definitely attend to it. Oh yes, uh, to the best of my uh, capabilities, <laughs> you know, I, I don't really know much, but um, I think the session that we're going to do today, it's... Uh, it's uh, more like friendly advice, okay? Anything we say here is more like friendly advice. And the most important thing is uh, if we touch on anything about the markets and stuff like that, it, will, it cannot be considered as uh, financial advice because at the end of the day, our goal is just to, you know, spread education. We're not here to, you know, like teach people how to buy this, sell that, all that type of stuff, you know. So this is a joint session uh, between Minted and also Futurist. Um, and if you guys already don't know, Futurist is an evident educator in for money and also the blockchain space. So without further ado, I guess we can we can start first, lad. Right, Sanji. So how do you get yourself um, into this space? Wow, you mean like into the uh, crypto space? Like how do I get myself into? Uh, how do I, how do I start to know about cryptocurrencies? Is that the question? Yep. Well, this is a bit of an interesting one. So. Um, I started with crypto not very long ago. It's just February last year, February 2021. So if you add up uh, mm. to, to this current date, it's about one and a half years, give or take. And mm. prior to that, I had um, no knowledge or whatsoever in cryptocurrencies at all. In fact, I was an engineering student. So <laughs> I, I oh, didn't shit. know the economics. I didn't know how to write stuff. I just know how to do a bit of math and, you know, uh, force equals mass times accelerations, that, that type of thing. But then, you know, COVID came and I used to study in the US and my dad is like telling me, hey, wh why don't you come back to Malaysia because uh, we feel safer that you are together with us. But so I came back in uh, August 2020 and I got COVID also at the end of the day. So it's kind of a bit sad thing. But <laughs> anyway, I'm pretty much sure that a lot of us got COVID. So during the period mm. of time, I kind of took like a gap year in my studies uh, in engineering. So. I didn't complete my degree in engineering. And uh, during that year itself, I was kind of fumbling around and finding some valuable stuff to do. And my dad is like, hey, why not you start to learn how to invest? Because uh, one of my biggest regrets is I didn't really invest a lot. So he's like, okay, um, I'm going to send you to a few courses. And I was like, open arms. And I just decided to accept it. And I start going for courses. And then after that, in that course itself, I started with the Bursa market first or the Busa market. And then they taught me like how to look at charts and stuff like that. I took a few diplomas also over there. And then in that course itself, I started to, I started to know some people. And then they recommended me, hey, you, you should take a look at Bitcoin, you know, because Bitcoin went up like 20% last week. And then I was like, wow, 20% in a week? You know, I'm sure most That's of us crazy. when we first... Yeah, when you first heard of crypto, right? It's like... Wow, I didn't know you can mix so much profit in such a short span of time, right? Mm -hmm. And you take a look at the Busa market, if you have a 20% gain in a year, you, you can already laugh already. That's okay. like already it's, a plus point already for anyone, yeah, 20% yeah. in a year. It's, it's crazy. If you take a look at the S&P, the US stock market is like 15-20% per year. If you can beat it like 20-25% per year, you are already considered one of the top uh, traders or fund managers out there but now when I heard about crypto and people were telling me like you can make 20% in a week I'm like 
what am I doing in the Busan market, man? <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I decided to just uh, you know dabble a bit into crypto, and I started with Luno. Yeah, I'm not sure about you guys, uh, but for those who those people who started on Luno, mine uh, showing a bit of reaction there. You probably can say, yeah, I started with Luno too. I think Clarice, you also started with Luno, right? <laughs> no, I actually started straight to Binance. Oh wow! You yeah. wow. That's the learning curve in Binance is, <laughs> is steep, lah. Okay, uh, I started with Luno first, and then because Luno was had a very simple interface back then last year, it it only had five coins. It had like a Bitcoin, mm. Ethereum, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, and XRP. And initially, when I started investing into crypto, I had this very uh, common. Misunderstanding that I'm sure a lot of people will have also. I used to believe that XRP will go to a thousand dollars. You know,、mm. I was looking at you know XRP right now, how many ringgit, how many sen, and if I were to buy a thousand XRP and each XRP goes to a thousand ringgit, then I can retire already. I can I'm a millionaire. Yeah, like mind blown already at this point. Yeah,、time. I was like,、oh, yeah. Let me let let me do the math here. You know, engineering student. Let me just do some math. But I was so、mm-hmm. wrong, and、um, uh, I made a lot of mistakes. And after that, I made a lot of, like trading losses, went on leverage, blah blah blah, and I was like losing tons of money. And at some point of time last year, I decided to tell myself, "Hey, it's time to stop. It's time to really learn how to do this thing," because I wasn't doing well in the Busa market, also. So therefore, you know, I really decided to just sit down and start to really study about crypto. And I start by watching YouTubers first,、uh, YouTubers like、um, Coin Bureau and stuff like that. I start to watch Invest Answers then. Gradually read a few books like the Bitcoin Standard, blah blah blah,、mm. and what I noticed was that a lot of people are making the past mistakes I've made, right? Because when they first invest in cryptocurrencies, they think that you know it, it's it's kind of like an easy job because last year、yeah. itself you see Bitcoin making its all-time high at about sixty-nine k, and everyone was like, "Hey, I buy it goes up, I buy it goes up." So why not I just buy a, a, a cheap coin just because it's Cheaply priced, and if it goes、yep. up, how many digits? I'll be a millionaire. So、uh, that was my purpose to, you know, just tell everybody that hey, there's another perspective to this, and we should all learn how to、uh, study crypto together in a more,、uh, I would say, way that makes more sense, like in a more logical、uh, sense. So、mm. that is kind of like the story, give or take. Sorry to be a bit. Long-winded on this one, but yeah, that's that's, that's <laughs> my crypto journey so far. I started the futurist just to you know, talk about my mistakes. Yeah, so I'm gonna take a step back to rewind. So those who have just joined us,、uh, today、mm-hmm. is a casual AMA session with the futurist. Um, so if you guys have any burning questions, please feel free to put down in the comments. We've just started in terms of um like this. From Shinji's background, you know, telling us how he get into crypto space. I think the next one that I I have is how did the futurist came about? Wow,、mm, this is a, also another、uh, interesting question. Which shout out in the chat, guys. You guys are kind of active. I see. Uh, uh, sorry if I don't <laughs> mind me calling out your names. Ah,、uh, Benjamin. Benjamin is also from、uh, Minted Asia, right? He's your、yes. colleague, Clarice. <laughs> he is.、Thanks. Yeah, we have、uh, Roach Punks over here. Who else do we have? We have Nero、uh, One. A lot of people over here tonight. Thanks, thanks for joining, guys.、Mm. Hope you guys、uh, are liking the session so far. Oh, but back to your question, man.、Right? Um, how did the futurist start? Well, okay.、Uh, so, so I was like talking about、um, my mistakes. Right, previously I made tons of like investing mistakes, 
uh, I don't mind to disclose to you guys, I lost like five digits worth of money. It's a lot of money. And luckily, it's not my life savings. It's just the money that I decided to take and uh, play with. It was really painful, and um, which is why I decided to start a crypto channel. And uh, I took two of my best friends and I told them, hey guys, why not, you know, we just start a crypto channel like those people who are doing it in YouTube or Twitter. And we just share what we know. So uh, the other two people, the other two founders, they are no longer founders. They left the company already. Um, one was, one of the guys was an architect. The other one uh, was a real estate agent. So I kind of got my business model set up. You know? I got myself mm. an architect to design the logo, which uh, by the way, the Futurist logo that you're currently seeing is not designed by me. Okay, It's designed by yeah. my best friend who's an architect. And... Uh, some of the marketing strategies that I've adopted, uh, thankfully, was uh, also from my best friend uh, who was a real estate agent on uh, negotiations mm. and stuff. So then, you know, we were discussing every Sunday. This was last year, back in like, I think it was uh, give or take June or July last year, during the early days of the futurists. Uh, nothing, nothing, we don't even have an Instagram yet. We don't even have a Twitter yet. But we were like doing meetings every Sunday and we were talking like, hey, uh, where should we start first? Should we start on Instagram? Should we start on YouTube? Should we start mm. on Twitter? Then we kind of landed on the Instagram first. And okay. then we just decided to post uh, some stuff about crypto. We just like, hey, uh, what is Bitcoin? You know, those very normal stuff. Mm. Like, like, yeah. And then after that, uh, what is Ethereum? Those, those, those classic, uh, more layman type of stuff. And so, soon, my founders, the other two founders, they have their own business to attend to. And I wanted to bring this, uh, I would say, Futurist even more further. But the name of the Futurist came about in a very funny way because we were actually figuring out what to call ourselves. We were like, Cryptopedia, Coinpedia, <laughs> Coinverse, you know, like um, Cryptomaniac, some... some Ethereum boys. I'm pretty like sure there is a lot of names that are out there like that. Yeah, yeah. We went deep into the rabbit hole of trying to figure out what should we call ourselves? What is the thing that we can, you know, that can really grasp uh, the, 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 the current content that we are pushing out and it doesn't disrupt, like, it, it doesn't say too much. It doesn't classify us too much. So, I had a WhatsApp group with these founders previously. And I just decided to name the, the, the WhatsApp I don't know what to name, literally. I, 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 I literally mm. wanted to leave the WhatsApp group as blank, but you had to put a name. So I decided, ah, put Futurist, ah, you know. WhatsApp group, WhatsApp group, ah, not, com, not, not, not um, Instagram, not anything yet. So then we, we were like fumbling our heads around for one week because we couldn't decide what's our vision name. So then one of my friends says, hey, why not we just use the WhatsApp group name? Futurist. And I was like, hey, yeah, <laughs> WhatsApp group name is Futurist. Then I was like, Oh, okay. But futurists, a lot of people are currently known as futurists. But yeah, as long as we put futurists and then other fact put MY, you know? So there we have, <laughs> <laughs> so, so there we have futurists MY. Hey, that's that's uh, how our name uh, came about, guys. <laughs> so I yeah, that's, that's, that's the, yeah, that's the origin of our name. And uh, fast forward to today, uh, it, it, mm. I, obviously it's, um, it's sad um, to let my other founders go, my other two founders. But... Uh, they have other matters to attend to and I really appreciate them joining me in the early part, the formation of Futurist itself, like, which was really uh, critical. Yeah, so, 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 so that's mm. about the, you know, our, our, our name origins and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think just 
tapping into that for a bit like are you working solo now or do you have any partners that has recently joined you in in this journey well right now um guys majority of the content that you see on uh, the repost youtube twitter and instagram yeah i'm managing all of that uh, it, it's tough work but but that's why right now it's a full time job i used to work um, part time in like an arbitration company which is totally not related to crypto arbitration is more like mm. a bit of law stuff and then once i decided to go far with this futurist stuff we started our patreon membership in november and i realized that i had to do this full time so i just decided hey um i got to focus right now and i i have to go all in so that's when i decided to you know so after today uh i do have a few team members i have um a website designer uh which our website is um launching soon guys Uh, big information disclosure <laughs> hopefully <laughs> by this month we are we are trying to get our website uh, sorted out um we have a website designer then we also have an admin staff so the admin staff mm. really ha- uh, helps me his name is called Alex i think he's in the chat today so Alex if you are here just say hi to everyone yeah so uh, Alex um he helps me manage a lot of like uh, back end stuff let's say uh, um our revenue mainly comes from patreon So if you're not sure if you guys aren't sure what Patreon is, Patreon is basically a website to support creators and we decided to start on Patreon where uh, whoever is interested they pay us like $10 a month then they'll be able to get more benefits uh, apart from the content that we are currently posting. So that's mm. our uh, main source of revenue and stuff. Uh. Actually what was the question again? Uh? <laughs> Okay. No, you answered it. You answered it. Oh, okay. Oh, really? So now that okay. that we've we've talked about patrons and stuff, do you want to give the guys here as well a little sneak peek like what are you talking patron? You know, what is the exclusive that that you're actually giving out there that they can't oh, get yeah. it from okay. your IG? Okay, okay. Oh, actually later you should, you guys should talk about Minted or so. Minted is also doing quite a few stuff, but <laughs> let me do the courtesy first, okay? So, um as as you guys know, whatever content you see on Instagram and Twitter, that's like um 50% of the amount of work that I'm currently doing online. If you join our Patreon membership, we have a private Telegram group full of uh, uh, traders, investors, knowledgeable people, DJs and stuff like that. We learn from each other. Mm. It's a very small community. I think it's about 40 plus members. And then you also can take a look at my current portfolios because I'm also managing my director's portfolio. My part-time job right now is to work is working as a unofficial unlicensed um portfolio manager so so don't call me a financial advisor guys i'm just <laughs> you know helping uh my boss manage his portfolio he just decided like hey i'm interested in crypto just i'm putting some money in and that's the story so uh the patrons who have full access to it obviously that's the 10 dollar package and they will also have mm. our full weekly newsletter okay so if you guys go to our profile and take a look at our uh, free weekly newsletter that's like 30% of uh, the full content. Oh, so the there's more news. to it. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot more. I I I I've been receiving complaints that uh yeah, your newsletter is great but uh it's actually quite long. <laughs> so, but um but um, I I usually then, then my pages are telling me I usually take like one or two days to finish reading it. And I was like, okay, uh I, that's that's why I decided to, you know, cool down a bit and not write too much. But yeah, the, the weekly newsletter gives you a very complete overview on uh what to hopefully expect in the upcoming weeks ahead and then mm. what are the benefits to be had i mean we have a, a, a plethora of benefits you also can take a look at some of the cryptocurrency i've analyzed i have a crypto companion that i've done up like 40 50 plus cryptocurrencies 
and Ooh. a lot of a lot of benefits within our Discord itself, lah. Where you have a custom role, a shout out every time I do a live video, like, because every Sunday we have weekly analysis at 10 p.m. Which for those in the audience, if you guys don't know, um, join us this Sunday, you know, uh, at 10 p.m. in Discord, and that's where mm. I will shout out my future members' name and talk about the markets, etc., etc. Yeah. So so at, apart from that, patrons will also receive any recording that I've done. So let's say every mm-hmm. Sunday we do our weekly analysis. As a patron, you don't have to attend it because the session is entirely recorded. And what my patrons do is that Monday morning, when they're driving to work or, or or whenever they're on a train, whenever they're free, they'll just watch the replay because they have full access to all our recordings. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they can watch it back Reco- however many times they want. Yeah, yeah, recordings is much easier than live as well, so they can catch you, take notes. So I think that's one exactly. of the benefits of of like having to subscribe as a patron member. Yeah, so actually, Stingy, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I think now that we're talking about portfolio and stuff, actually, four five zero Fedora actually asked, "What do you oh. think about Cardano? And do you mind sharing a little bit about your portfolio as well?" Oh, uh, okay, sure. I mean, just for tonight's purposes, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So about Cardano, um, Cardano is actually quite a fascinating project. It's what we call a blockchain network. Um, things like Bitcoin, it's, it's called a blockchain, but Bitcoin works primarily as what we know as a store of value. But Bitcoin hasn't reached that stage of being a store of value yet, which a lot of people misunderstand also. Because if Bitcoin is storing value, then why has it lost so many percent from the 69k right now? How many percent are you? About 70 percent lost. So for those of you who think that Bitcoin is a store of value, we are clear that away from uh, your head right now. Bitcoin is is not a store of value just yet. It's a speculative asset. Bitcoin is a speculative asset. Why is it a speculative asset? Because it follows how the the stock market moves in the U.S. It's highly related to especially tech stocks. Okay. So now when we shift on over to Cardano and Ethereum, Cardano is sort of like Ethereum because apart from having just a currency like Bitcoin on the Bitcoin network, Ethereum you can actually build something on top of it. Okay, it's like you can build apps, you can build games, you can build uh, wallets, you can build like the possibilities. Uh, possibilities are endless. You know, CryptoPunk, uh, Bored Yacht Club, all these high NFTs—they all started in the Ethereum blockchain, and you can do that with Bitcoin, but um, it's not really sustainable. It's not really scalable. But Ethereum—that's that's the main role. So Cardano is also doing something similar. They also—you can actually build on top of that blockchain. Okay, so that's why we call it a. Uh, A blockchain network. Now, the thing about Cardano is that uh, the the good thing about Cardano is it's decentralized, right? When we when we when we take a look at the particular cryptocurrencies, I think I'm going a bit long-winded here, but I'm, hopefully it's providing value to you guys. When you take a look at particular cryptocurrencies, you have to uh, understand a few factors. Okay, you have to see whether it's decentralized or not. You have to see whether uh, how many percent of the majority owns the coins. You don't want like. A particular entity owning tons of a particular coin, and then they can dump the market. But if you take if you take a look at Bitcoin, although Michael Saylor is currently the largest holder of Bitcoin, about 130,000 bitcoins holding. But if you divide it by Bitcoin's total supply, 21 million, it's less than one yeah. percent. So 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 when you take a look at Cardano, now that's really different. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Charles Hoskinson, which is the founder of Cardano. It's about ten, fifteen percent, maybe even twenty percent. I I forgot about the figures there already. So that's that's although it being decentralized in the staking method, okay? Because Cardano is like a, 
proof of stake type of stuff. I don't want to go mm. too deep in this. But it's actually uh, the founder holds quite a lot of coins. And another part which I don't really uh, like about Cardano is because the founder kind of tweets a lot. Okay? We all learned our mm. lesson. If you guys know about the uh, Terra Luna Death Spiral, Claris, I think you're familiar yeah. with the Terra Luna Death Spiral. Uh, it's because one of the biggest reasons why Terra fell to zero in the span of like, like three days is because the founder, let's admit it, he was a bit too cocky uh, and he was tweeting a little bit too much. He was kind of like too uh, confident there in his project space. go far. Yes, the there project. is a face. Yes. yes, exactly. So, so, so <laughs> when we take a look at projects like this, we have to be a bit more careful because is Cardano itself providing true value or is Charles Hoskinson's face providing value? You know, mm. you wouldn't want like um, at the end of the day, you know, like, like if you take a look at Ethereum, Vitalik Buterin, yes, he's the face, but he's not like, I say this thing, the market moves. But Charles Hoskinson has been like doing it all the time. He's been like, very active on YouTube, very active on Twitter, where in that case, if you have a founder, if you even have time to do all this type of stuff, then, you know, you should be working on your, your project. So, so, so that, those are my thoughts on Cardano, which uh, my anal- analysis might be wrong. I'm just taking a look at this at more of, a, I would say, a different perspective. And also, it, mm. it's a bit of a sudden question as well. I didn't uh, do much research on Cardano more recently. I used to own a bit of Cardano. Then after that, I decided to eliminate it after um, Cardano had a few problems. But yeah, we won't stay there too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for a user 450 Fedora, I hope uh, that answers your question. Um, so then I'm going to lead on to the next one after this. Let me see if there's a comment, if there's anyone. Okay. So we have from Benjamin. Do, do you invest in NFT projects? And what are your thoughts on the future of the NFT space? Oh, that's a really good one. Oh, this is a very good question. Okay, wow, Benjamin, you, you, you might win the free ticket to our webinar. Just hint in. <laughs> for those of you guys who want to who wanna join our webinar for free, which um, we have an economist, uh, you know, doing this session on, with us on the upcoming Thursday. Just go ahead and ask a few questions and you might, you know, we might choose the best question and we'll let you know like, if you win. Okay, uh, NFT projects. Uh, fun fact, I started to invest in NFT in Pentas. Okay, so Pentas IO, okay, it's, it's a Malaysian uh, NFT platform. And uh, how I stumbled upon NFTs is that uh, when, when, when you're dabbled into crypto, sooner or later, you're going to look at other more uh, stuff that moons, you know, other more stuff that brings you more money, so to say. Uh, then I looked at CryptoPunk and I was like, holy crap, this CryptoPunk is like half a million dollars. How can, to me, a JPEG be half a million dollars? So I decided to read more about it and do more uh, investigation on it. So then I was like, ha, ah, it's too late for me to own a crypto punk, you know, because it's half a million dollars. There's no way I can fork out that sum of money at my current age. Maybe, maybe next the same time. Thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you feel the same thing, right? So at its peak, it's like, what, one half a million dollars per, per crypto punk? And I was really impressed. So that was my young days. And then I searched crypto punk. Then I scrolled, I dived down the rabbit hole. And during the early days of Bertas, there was this NFT project called Malaysia Punks. Yeah, not sure if you guys know about this. Yeah, Malaysia Punks. Oh, by the way, it's it's gone. The project has been rug pulled by the uh, founder. Like, the project the, the project founder ran away. Oh. Okay, a very sad. It's really stuff. quite sad to hear. Now I'll ask you a question, Clarice. When you missed your when you missed your opportunity on Crypto Punks and you see 
Malaysia punks, and you look at it, it's currently priced at that time, uh, what, thirty twenty dollars? Would you yeah. not, uh, put money into it? Like like like, you know, I'm just gonna put like hundred dollars. That that was like exactly that thinking. FOMO. Yeah. yeah, the FOMO, the FOMO. Yeah, which the lesson is here is it's the big FOMO, and I was very very prone to FOMO previously. I look at. Uh, crypto punk, and then I was like, oh, I, I want to own a few Malaysia punks. So mm. I started to buy Malaysia punks. And that time itself, be- right before I bought, Malaysia punks have already risen to like uh, the time it was like 1.5 BNB each. And that time BNB was like at its like peak, $500, dollars per BNB. So within the span of two days, uh, I bought like three Malaysia punks at 1.5 BNB Ooh. each. So it was a very uh, hasty decision. It made no sense at all. It was just pure FOMO. And I really hope that you guys in the audience learn this also. Uh, do not take a look at a project and say that oh, I trust this project. I'm going to buy right now. You have to yeah. at least allocate an hour or two hours or perhaps two weeks to really investigate what's going on. And the time Pentas was very new. Pentas just launched uh, last year, August thirty first. They launched their Madeka Day, and then Malaysia Punks they launched their project. And then they put like since it's the sixty fourth uh, Madeka year for Malaysia, they launched sixty four punks. So then I decided like, hey, I gotta get myself like two or three man because if it just goes to ten percent of crypto punks price, I already can retire. Same same Dijan thinking again, you know. You know, it's, it's like we have, I think young, the younger generation nowadays have all this very thinking that you know we want to retire early, blah blah blah, which forces us to FOMO a lot. So then I spent like you know. Like three, four BNBs a day, uh, bought Malaysia punks. Then after that, Malaysia punks rug pulled uh, because they had some dispute. Not going to to go much in that. So yeah, Malaysia punk is is dead right now. He has been dead for ever since uh, January this year. And after that, I did bought like a few NFTs here and there. You know, just to speculate a bit. But more recently, no. More recently, I stopped investing in NFTs because I tried to trade NFTs and uh, the Malaysia punks that said really burns me too much. And uh, but on onto the question of what are the future of NFTs, I believe that NFTs will go to a stage where it's no longer tied to just art. Mm, yeah, 100%. I mean, you guys, you guys have minted. You guys are already you know advancing the case of NFTs because yeah. the 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 NFTs itself is a tokenized version. Of a particular picture in a blockchain, which cannot be disputed, because we all know uh, the blockchain is a public, immutable, distributed ledger. Right? It's right. it's it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like uh, uh, you take a look at a bank, but the bank the walls are all made out of glass. Okay, so now imagine you can store pictures in there where there's everybody looking at you, and whenever you own that particular picture, you can take a look at the blockchain and see whether the ownership belongs truly to you or not. And that doesn't just stretch to art. You can use it for ticketing, like what you guys are doing. You can use it to sell courses. You can use it to like what yeah. medical certificate and stuff like that. The possibilities yeah. are endless. We're not even talking about music NFTs, you know, like audio yeah. NFTs, blah, blah blah. So I believe that NFTs will definitely stay. And we are now at the age where we no longer look at menus right now. You go, you, you go to a restaurant. Most likely, they won't issue you menus anymore. Right, they ask you to take out your smartphone, scan a QR code. But instead, maybe the future era is that you take out your smartphone, scan a QR code. Maybe the menu is an NFT. Maybe the receipt they issue to you is an NFT. Then after that, there will be no dispute because there's a timestamp there of when you made your purchase. 
then there is like a, a, a proof of ownership on who ate it or something like that. So I believe that it's it's going to stretch far, and and we should not uh, limit our minds to NFTs just being tied to art. Although what we are seeing right now is that just, is what is used you know, a lot of use cases using art. Yes, because I would yes. say that is the easiest form. Um, for anybody to actually do something, because art itself is already one of its kind. Tying back to NFT, I think that's a no-brainer. So I feel like that's why everybody is going to this space because it's easy link. But I think yes. just riding onto what you said, Sinji, as well, I would say that the future of NFT just doesn't stop at NFTs. If you guys are already in the space, I'm pretty sure you have heard about Sonbang Tongkits as well. So that's where we're bringing this whole NFT uniqueness into something even more. And I feel that. With accreditations in the future, it's already changing the entire landscape. So for, that's why for that, I believe right now whatever that we're seeing in NFT is just very surface. There's more yep. to it into this, into this tech that we've actually never ever seen. Yeah, we we are at the tip of the tip of the iceberg. You know, we, we yeah. never even go to the the tip of the iceberg yet. You know, where there's so many things below the iceberg. So yeah, we are still extremely early lah in terms of NFTs. We are. And I and I think it will go far. You know, this 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 technology itself. Yeah, hundred percent. Alright, Sinji, we actually have another one from Isa. She uh, oh. he she asks, what do you think about our country accepting or not accepting crypto? Does it risk our ringgit? Wow, this is well, this is a very interesting question. At the same time, it's also not an easy question to answer uh, because. When you take a look at uh, currencies, right, we we first have to understand why do a currencies fluctuate in the first place? Why is why is Malaysian ringgit trading right now so low against the US dollar? Why have we weakened so much against the US dollar? Blah blah blah. Why is Singapore dollar at so high? Well, let me just refresh your memory a bit or take you into a history class. Hope it won't bore you guys. In 1971, before 1971, there were no currency fluctuations. There was there was no such thing as forex, and the markets, the international markets were, I would say, I wouldn't say efficient, but they were no basically the exchange rates were stable. Why? Because back then the United States was at the gold standard. This lasted from Bretton Woods 1944 to 1971, where the United States after World War II they decided to peg the U.S. dollar at 35 dollars an ounce to gold. Okay, so then all the other nations came together in 1944. This is why we call the Bretton Woods Agreement at Bretton Woods itself, and、uh, agreed that the United States will be the anchor currency. So you have gold here announced, then 35 dollars of US dollars over here. Then the rest is like Japanese yen, British pound, blah 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 blah. And back then, Malaysian ringgit, which Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure about my facts here. Last I remember, the check was a three ringgit and six cents. Okay, pegged to the US dollar. Okay, that that was like back in the gold standard era.、Hmm. Then after that, how did the United States leave the gold standard? Was because they were greedy, in a short, in in a simple sense, they started printing much more money than they had in their reserves. They had gold in their reserves. So when you no longer have That amount of backing, other nations they start to because they they relied on United States to store their gold. Okay, because the United States at that time was the strongest military. They 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 like, oh, I give you my gold, you protect me. And、um, 
I take the US dollars because US dollars is, a, is as good as gold. Okay, so, so then they took gold. Uh, sorry, they took the US dollars back to their country and they gave physical gold to the United States, which is why the United States right now is still the biggest holder of gold. Now, don't, I'm going back to the question over here. I'm just going a long round. So kind of long story short is that uh, they left the gold standard because they were greedy. They printed too much money. And then France began to doubt United States backing of reserves. And then they started to redeem back their gold. They said, hey, give me back my gold, man. I'm, I'm going to give you US dollars, $35 an ounce. You give me back my gold. There was an international gold run. If you guys know what the bank run is, yeah, this is like a bank run, but in the international scale. It was really scary. And then in 1971, to stop United States gold from flowing out of the country anymore, they decided to cut the gold standard. It is when uh, President back then, Richard Nixon, started to say that, oh, I've directed Secretary Connolly to you know, remove the, the gold standard, blah, 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 and you no longer can redeem uh, US dollars for gold. Then started the era of uh, forex. Then started the era of fluctuating currencies. Because once you lift the anchor currency, which was previously tied to gold, now all currencies are just floating against each other. So in essence, how currencies work against each other is what we call interest rates. Right? Some countries they have high interest rates. Some countries they have low interest rates. And some and considering the US dollar is the world's reserve currency, when you take a look at the current situation, the war, blah 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 which is one of the reasons why the US dollar is extremely strong right now because it's used for major trade, okay? So now back to your question on what do you think about a country accepting or not accepting crypto? A country, when they were to accept crypto, they have to understand the risks involved because what a country has to do is that they have to ensure that they don't lose their national currency, right? If you take a look at US, I don't think there is a way that the United States is going to go to a Bitcoin standard because they want the US dollar to be used by everyone. They want to stay in power because they'll be able to print money and then export their inflation to all the other countries out there, which is what they have been doing many, many years. And if you take a look at the Malaysian government, if the United States, the strongest economy currently in the world, is not even willing to shift to the Bitcoin standard, then what makes us like a pretty much second or third world country uh, start to accept crypto or make you know, crypto like a Bitcoin standard or something like that. So we know that Bitcoin standard for Malaysia or the US is kind of out of the window in the short term. Mm. We, we never know what's going to happen in the future. In the short term, it's out of the window. But for countries to start accepting crypto, yes, Malaysia, sooner or later, they will start to accept crypto. But it, it, it won't be like, I don't think it would be like, um, maybe it can go to the legal tender stage, but the government will heavily restricted. As you can see right now, right? They are trying to, they banned Binance last year. And then more recently, they removed all the trading pairs, P2P trading pairs in Binance. And Luno, the regulator exchange, is asking you multi, a lot of questions right now if you want to transfer funds out. And the government knows that crypto is threatening their ringgit. Because why? It's a very simple question. What would, you, would you hold the Malaysian ringgit? Or would you hold uh, US dollars? Well, obviously, without thinking, you would say whole US dollars. Well, now, US dollars, I tell you, there's this thing called a stable coin, which is one-to-one -one packed with the US dollars. You can own US dollars without opening an international account with a bank. Yeah. You know, which is why a lot of uh, Malaysian ringgit was flowing out of the country and which got the governments really worried or stuff like that. And then they decided to regulate and clamp down uh, the crypto industry even more. 
So obviously, mm. if they start uh, accepting crypto and they start adopting this technology, it will be a, a risk to the ringgit unless they think of something smart, like they create an MYR stablecoin. Then that will be amazing. Then that will literally might even strengthen the Malaysian ringgit even more. Okay, but um, considering the Malaysian government, uh, I don't know lah. Okay, <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything. We don't want to get into politics. <laughs> yeah, but 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 that's a long answer. I'm so sorry to you know yeah. go 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 so long winded here, but you know we need to know a bit of history over there. Yeah. yeah. Well, we hope that answer your question. Um, right. So I think um. Writing, building onto that in a sense where, um, how do you do it, Sinji? Like, where do you get your resources and your information from? Okay, um, resources and information majority I get is from books. Okay, uh, mm. I read. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to say that I read a lot, but uh, I've recently started to pick up reading. And a year ago, before I even learned about investing, I never read books. I hated novels. I couldn't even read ten pages. I didn't even read the news because for me it's about math, about study about engineering, you know, Pythagoras theorem, blah blah blah, you know. And I couldn't, I don't have enough attention span to focus into books. But back、mm. then in my university, there was this course they forced me to take literature, and that's when I when I slowly got to read books because、uh, the semester you're required to read like three, four small thin books. And then、uh, last year I decided to start reading, so. Then it became a habit. Like、uh, every night, I did. I I usually just read an hour or maybe an hour and a half before I sleep. I just read until I fall asleep. So,、like, oh, I can't sleep, so I just read a random book. Okay. So for you,、mm. you guys who want to build the habit of reading, because if you take a if you take a look at all the successful people out there, yeah, we're we're not trying to claim we are successful, lah. But the common common thing of all the successful people out there is that all of them read. All of them read books, and 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 it's not to say that they read ten hours a day. No, it's that they read uh as a habit, maybe one or two hours per day, and that's where they build their knowledge. So on the crypto wise, I started to my I would say my understanding of cryptocurrency really went up when I started reading the Bitcoin Standard,、uh, which I have the book right、mm. here. I've read it like、uh, two or three times already. I highly recommend、uh, you guys. Who are new to crypto to just read this book? Really,、uh, it's it's. Let me tell you honestly, straight up, it's very dry. Okay, it's like an economics textbook.、Uh, this this writer is not really good at writing. Okay, but he's he's not really good at making things interesting. But just make it a habit to read like maybe five pages per day. Okay, five pages per day. You divide it by you know,、uh, let's see, three hundred pages.、Uh, you you're gonna finish it in no time, lah. Okay, <laughs> so so that's the point. Yeah, you, you just start reading. And that will change your perspective on what money is and how money works, because this 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 book doesn't just talk about Bitcoin. Actually, it it, it talks about Bitcoin in the last chapter, like last few chapters. The first seventy、uh, percent of the book itself talks about how money is created, the gold standard,、uh, how previously last time how, how how did our society came to use money, where previously、uh, we were at the barter system. Okay, I'm not gonna go through long on that one.、It、might be boring you guys, but. So yeah, just so, so books are my、uh, main source of knowledge, and another one is news. I used to watch a lot of YouTubers, but then I realized that、uh, YouTubers are no are not consistent, and now I stopped watching YouTubers.、Uh, I even stopped watching Coin Bureau. I stopped watching Invest Answers because in the bull market, anybody can say anything, and they are right, especially YouTubers. Okay, so my habit right now is that I take a look at news sources like Coin Telegraph,、uh, those websites,、uh, Coin Desk. And and I read, and 
every morning I just go to Google News and I will search on what's the top news in the economy right now. Malaysian economy mm. and the world's economy. Just to really take a look at what's uh, happening in the world. Which is why I'm able to, you know, write a bit about the Sri Lanka crisis, a bit about Malaysian ringgit weakening, stuff like that. So yeah, um, the, the, the simple uh, conclusion to the question is that just read. Yeah, really. If you don't like reading, pick a topic that you really like. I didn't start off by reading the Bitcoin standard first. I start off by reading like something that I really like to read, which is like a very short mm. novel. Like I think I started with this book, uh, kind of like The Alchemist. Very short book, just like 178 pages. It's just like a, a Egyptian novel talking about like a boy traveling in the desert, something like that. And I was like, oh, interesting. So then you gradually start to buy a bit more books and you read more. Then uh, basically read what you like until you like to read. Yeah. I'm not sure if it makes sense. How I started how I started is actually I don't know if you guys have Hobie, but Hobie actually puts out like the short market title, like that oh. that bait phrase. So for me that is like, oh shit, that's quite interesting. And that's how I yeah, get yeah. into okay, reading a little bit more about that. So that's how, you know, I started reading. I'm definitely not a reader for sure. We've got a question from Ding Chao. Do you think any projects flipping Bitcoin in the near future? Uh, I don't see in, in the near future. I I don't want to make a bet here, lah. Because if I, if I put a time frame on it, then people is gonna quote me, you know. So don't add me, guys. Okay, I'm not gonna put a time frame. <laughs> I I I don't believe that uh, uh, Bitcoin as a currency will be overtaken by say Ethereum, Cardano, or any other other cryptocurrencies out there. Because Bitcoin is the only cryptocurrency that is truly decentralized and doesn't have an entity to it. Like if you take a look at all the other crypto projects, all the other 20,000 crypto coins out there, all of them, majority of them had an ICO, initial coin offering, and they had a founder's name tied to it. And whenever the founder says something, the coin moves or whatsoever. And the founder Mm -hmm. owns majority of the coin. But when you take a look at Bitcoin, you don't even know who Satoshi Nakamoto is. But does it even matter? Because the, the ship has sailed already. The, te- the technology is here already. And it is, the first, it is the first currency that did not have an ICO. You had to mine Bitcoin to, to, in the early stages just to get more Bitcoin. There was no like, hey, you join this airdrop, you can get like, what, 10,000 Bitcoins at that stage. No, you have to be an early adopter of Bitcoin. And that really drove Bitcoin's uh, uh, decentralization and adoption, which... To date, there are no cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. So um, that's why if, if, if I were to classify cryptocurrencies, I would put it as Bitcoin and crypto. Because Bitcoin is very different from um, all the other cryptocurrencies out there. Yeah, so you yeah, could the say it's the one more. and only actually. Yeah, actually, yeah. That's a good point because because you know, mm. back 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 to the uh, decentralization part, and uh, back back to its uh, adoption. There's this thing called the uh, Lindy effect. I'm not sure if you guys have heard it before. You can Google search it up. L I N D Y. Lindy effect. So a Lindy effect is just a theory that um, it's it's just like a snowball. A snowball starts off small, then it goes gigantic, then it becomes an avalanche. Right? If you take a look at uh, 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 the history of money itself, how did gold get so much trust? Until right now, a lot of banks are still holding tons of gold. Why is, although gold is no longer used as a legal tender to, to, to pay for stuff, but why are countries still holding gold? Because it had a long track record. And it is proven that uh, even alchemists can't 
create this type of thing. You know, it's a trusted, uh, reliable resource or that, that can hold its monetary value because it's indestructible, uh, blah, blah, blah. It had its Lindy effect for a long time. It built up its trust for a long time. And you see Bitcoin has been doing it since 2009. Yeah, Ethereum, mm. 2013, 2014. Then it got hacked, the DAO hacked. And a new Ethereum came out in 2017. So, so safe answer is, yeah, I, I don't think there are any cryptocurrencies out there uh, like Bitcoin. Hey, this is not a buy, buy or sell call in Bitcoin, uh, guys. <laughs> not uh, hold, hold your horses. Don't go back and like, oh, I'm going to buy Bitcoin right now because, you know, <laughs> not, not, not a buy or sell call. Again, we have to repeat. We're not your financial yeah, 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 advisor. Yeah, financial advisor. <laughs> I have to be really careful with what I say here. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I think Iqbal has a really good question in a sense where what is your opinion on government using blockchain technology to ultimately show transparency in power, distribution of tax dollars and votes? Uh, the interesting part of, well, th- there's a few things to, to, to unpack here, okay? Because this is a complex topic in itself. Um, the first thing that we've got to tackle is CBDCs, uh, Central Bank uh, Digital Currencies. So, 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 those are what the government claimed. Hey, we are using the blockchain technology, you know. It's open, it's transparent. But it's not decentralized at all. It's still centralized. It's just that uh, here's a fiat currency, but now it's digital. Ha, use my, use my fiat money right now. And there are pros and cons. The pro of it is that, yeah, the government is adopting the blockchain technology. It'll be much more probably easier to pay for stuff. And uh, I'm not so sure if they will allow you to take a look at the public blockchain because like I don't know and and, 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 and you, you take a look at the tokenomics of it majority there's only one node which is there's only one miner where, where, where Bitcoin has hundreds of thousands of miners scattered around the world but the only single miner is the government who is issuing it and they hold majority of the coins so to me it just sounds like another you know crypto project like, that the government is trying to have fun of because they're scared they're scared that you know Bitcoin might take over their, their, their currency overpower and, and, yeah 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 yeah, because it's unstoppable. It's unstoppable. Mm. So uh, that's why they wanted to create CBDCs and enforce it on citizens. Now, when they start to enforce it, uh, two things will happen. One is that uh, citizens can no longer use Bitcoin. If they use Bitcoin, it's against the law. I'm going to uh, prosecute you. I'm going to jail you, blah, blah, blah. This is, which is exactly what they did for gold back in uh, 1971 after they lifted the gold standard. It's because it's illegal for citizens to, to own gold, maybe even uh, before that. That's the first case scenario. Where, where you've got to use our currency, fiat. So the meaning of fiat itself is a decree by the government. We are forcing you to use our money. That's the meaning of fiat itself. Next is that the government becomes very open, like El Salvador. It says, okay, we don't have a currency. Okay, we are going to use, because El Salvador previously relied on the US dollar, and the US dollar was manipulating their currency, exporting their inflation. They were victims of uh, mass, massive crime like, in the US. Okay? So then they decided to go to Bitcoin. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the other alternative where a CBDC can work in tandem uh, with cryptocurrencies. And that will really drive uh, exponential adoption uh, because the international traffic will come in. They take a look at, oh, in order to buy Bitcoin in our country, you have to buy our CBDC first because our CBDC mm. is the MYR stablecoin. You see, you see, you see the everything tying back up here? So, yeah, so, so there's really two, 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 two outcomes over here. Like. One is that you know, you'll be outlawed uh, other cryptos. Second is that we, we, we might see uh, cryptos gradually start to work together. And it really depends on how the government wants to uh, look at this technology. And at the end of the day, uh, a technology is just like a knife, right? 
you, you can't say that it's bad or good. It's just that you can use the knife to cut fruit, uh, to serve a fancy meal, or you can use it to go and stab someone. Right. So, so the government right now is looking at the knife. It's like, oh, it's stabbing our uh, Malaysian ringgit. That's why I'm going to ban it yeah. and stuff like that. You know. So yeah, th- that's that's the answer to the to, to the question, like the two outcomes. Yeah. That's actually a really tough one. If you want to deep dive into that, that was going to take, I would say, thirty、oh. minutes just to discuss that topic itself. <laughs> well, that that that, that <laughs> requires an entire session in itself. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, I'm just gonna rewind back a little bit, guys. So for those who just joined, this is an AME session with Minted and the Futurists.、Um, for the Futurists, it's giving out three、um, lucky winners for those who have given the best questions.、Um, this ticket is to his upcoming webinar that's happening at August 11, if I'm not mistaken, right? Ah,、uh, yes, August 11. That's correct. August 11.、Nice. Is it August eleven?、Right. Let me just double check my laptop. <laughs> it is. It is August eleven, guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go, go look at, go and take a look at our Instagram profile. The post is right there. Okay. Uh, uh, uh. Which, if you are lazy to join the giveaway, it's just zero point zero one BNB, guys. And you can pay with fiat. With fiat, obviously, there's a premium. Lah. With fiat, it's twenty ringgit. Yeah. We want to、uh, drive crypto adoption here, guys. So yes, yeah, true. Good, good. Massive. Good, good job. Yeah. So, um, just a little bit of promo about Minted as well. If you guys don't know what is crypto or what is NFT, do come join our conference that's happening on the twenty second to the twenty eighth of August at the end of this month. You can get your tickets in Pintas or you can go into our website at Minted Asia. Okay, so Carolyn has a question. What is your opinion when people say ringgit should be a should be at a lower since we export to giant countries like Singapore? Ha!、Huh, that's a very okay. You see. When we look at、uh, again, good question. A lot of good questions tonight. <laughs> There's、uh, no questions about futurists, but a lot of questions about the current economy, which I like. Okay, okay, which, which, I, which I really like.、Okay. Now, when we talk about a weaker ringgit and stronger ringgit, we, we are we are comparing it in terms of the US dollar. Okay. Now, a weaker ringgit, honestly, they are right. A weaker ringgit is actually good because Malaysia is an export country. The way we earn money is we export our natural resources, our stuff, water, blah blah blah. You name it. Okay, but right now, in the more recent years, you see oil going up from like forty to forty US dollars per barrel to right now. Last I checked, it's like hundred dollars per barrel. Went to a high of one hundred and twenty dollars per barrel. And you take a look at oil cost in Malaysia. Do you see price rising? No, only round ninety seven. When you go and fuel,、uh, when you go and refuel your car in the Shell station right there, you will see there's two. Uh, there's two types of oil, round ninety five and round ninety seven, and you see the price discrepancy there is huge.、Uh, round ninety five is two ringgit and five cents. Round ninety seven at the is at the market price of four ringgit fifty cent. Then you immediately know there's something wrong there, and what's happening there is that the other two ringgit and thirty five cents is being subsidized by the government. For every liter of petrol you pump of round ninety five in your car, the government is subsidizing about fifty percent of it. Okay, now this all adds up into cost to the government. You know, it's like there's there's no free lunch, lah. At the end of the day, okay, because think of it as the government's wallet. Now, where previously high oil prices, you, you thought it was good for Malaysia because Malaysia exports oil. But at the same time, yes, it's good. They have to use this amount of money to subsidize their citizens in order to keep their oil prices low. This is one of the reasons why you take a look at the inflation rate in Malaysia is.、Uh, Horrendously low. It's a fake figure. It's because the government is 
pushing down inflation purposely by spending their money. As of this year, they have spent $80 billion on the economy just to provide subsidies. Okay, And that's going to be scary because now with higher oil prices, they not just have to pay more in their subsidies. Now you take a look at a weaker Malaysia ringgit, they have to pay much more because oil is priced in US dollars. They have to pay a much mm-hmm. higher premium. Where previously, they were paying like $4 to it to a US dollar, now they're paying like 445, 450, something like that. So all these adds up. And um, when you take a look at this, now the comparison between Malaysia being a, a, an export country and a weaker Malaysia ringgit is good. It starts to get a bit hazy already. It's like, oh, now it gets a bit confusing because now a weaker ringgit is not really good for us because the Malaysian government has to subsidize even more. And all this uh, spending, the additional money could have been used to build roads. To, to have been used to build schools, improve our healthcare, blah, 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 blah. But the government is just subsidizing everyone. You get free money and the subsidy is like I literally said for everyone. Someone can come from the United States or Singapore or other countries, fill 10 barrels of oil because oil here is ridiculously cheap and they're doing it. People from Thailand come to Malaysia just to smuggle Malaysia's oil. And at the end of the day... People from Singapore is just going to Johor just to yes. do that. Exactly. They would rather stay in the jam. They, 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 they go to the car centers and modify their tanks just to make it a bit bigger because the Malaysian government is subsidizing literally the whole world. You know? And um, people like to go where things are the cheapest and they just go to Malaysia and fill the oil. Which, if you took a look, take a look at this in long-term wise, it's not sustainable. And when you factor in the weakening Malaysian ringgit, yeah, we're toast. You know? At, at, at this rate, we are going we're going to start to have to drain our foreign reserves in order to keep subsidizing, which is why more recently, if you take a look at the news, the government has stopped subsidies, which is why the Turun protest existed. If you take a look at our recent post in Instagram, that is exactly why Malaysians are protesting. It's because they want the government to retain the subsidies. But the government is in a tight spot right now. Uh, if they continue to retain, then mm. you will just keep draining their wallets. Yeah, so again, another long answer on that one. Yeah. Investor Rachel, if you're still there, let me know if I, I remember your question, right? So you were saying how does the US FedEx um, affected the 75 BP with Malaysia? If I'm not mistaken, that was the question. Oh, you mean the Fed rate hikes? How did it uh, yes. affect the economy? Okay, um, are, we, are we taking a look at... Because this question is also kind of complicated. And uh, sorry, it has to be a bit more refined. Are you talking about the current economy or... The future economy because that's 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 the question that i think i'll just answer both questions okay so to, to just reiterate maybe what uh, uh, invest with rage uh, asked is that how would the uh, recent rate hikes from the federal reserve uh, affect the economy how did it affect it now and what is the uh, federal reserve going to do uh, forward so oh uh, yeah yes with the current economy okay so from what I learned is that uh, I have a close mentor. I consider this guy my mentor. His name is called Mr. Sunny Hamid. Uh, he's an economist with over 30 years of financial experience in the market. And whatever you, you hear from me today or whatever, majority of my knowledge um, comes from Mr. Sunny. He's really a great guy and he does a lot of uh, sessions with me. You guys can take a look at our Spotify. I think we've done at least like two or three sessions with him already. And if you listen, the way he speaks, it's a lot of content there la, and I just at the end of the day help him unpack so when we're talking about rate hikes into the economy 
we first have to understand what interest rates even do, right? We first have to, in order to understand how the Federal Reserve uh, raises or lowers interest rates affecting the economy, we have to know, hey, actually, what are interest rates? Well, in a simple sense, interest rates are just your borrowing cost, okay? We're not going to dive too deep into the rest of things, but actually it means tons of things. It's just your borrowing cost. Whenever you take a loan from a bank, or you take a car loan, or you take a student loan, um, it is most majority of the time is dictated dictated by the country's interest rates. And who sets the interest rates? Well, in Malaysia, it's Malaysia Central Bank, okay, uh, Bank Negara Malaysia, okay. But in the United States, it's the Federal Reserve. Okay, there, there is a bit of uh, confusion here. The Federal Reserve is actually not tied to the government. Okay, the Federal Reserve is a private entity with the sole goal of maintaining price stability and maximum employment. So I'm just going to repeat this again. Huh? The Federal Reserve's main goal is price stability and maximum employment. They don't care how the stock market performs because, and, and looking at inflation at 9.1% right now, uh, last, last month, this is one of the reasons why they have to aggressively hike rates. Now, when you aggressively hike rates, what, what the Federal Reserve is trying to do is that they're increasing the borrowing costs. Okay, so when you increase your borrowing costs, just imagine your mortgage right now costing like, like 0.25% more, then next month it costs 0.5% more, then the following month it costs 0.75% more, then you add up all these together, it costs 1.5% more already. Suddenly you're paying so much more interest in your loan. And in that case, you as a, a, a normal citizen, you'd be like, holy crap, I cannot take out so much loans anymore because now loans are expensive. Okay, yeah. So that in a sense really trickles down to the entire economy and people spend less because they borrow less. When they spend less, they borrow less. The entire economy, we so-call it deflates. It's, kind of, it's a bit like deflation Okay, to hopefully bring back down uh, inflation to the Federal Reserve's target of 2%. Okay, so right now it's 9.1%. The Federal Reserve wants to break it down to 2%. So still very far off. Huh? And the recent 75 basis point hike in the economy was specifically done to bring inflation down. But why did the Federal Reserve just hike 0.75% and not say like 1% or 1.25% or maybe even way higher than that? Because the Federal Reserve doesn't want to spark a recession. Mm. Okay. So, so, so their goals, price stability, maximum employment. But at the same time, they want to make sure that they, are, they want to engineer what we call in economics is a soft landing. They want to make sure you land the plane safely, don't crash and burn the plane and everybody die inside the plane, stuff like that, you know. So, so that's what they're trying to do. That's why they are gradually raising rates, which the first time they raised rates was back in March. They start with 0.25%. It has a tiny rate hike. Then they go next, uh, the, in May, they go 0.75%. Then in June, they go 0.75%, which was kind of a, which was not really a shock to the markets because the market is, in, in a sense, the market is kind of like a future indicator. The market really tells you where the economy is going into the future because uh, investors like to price in what the Federal Reserve is trying to do, uh, the war in Ukraine, blah, 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 war in Taiwan, blah, blah, blah. So therefore, uh, the, the, one of the big reasons why you see the stock market coming down from its uh, all-time highs and Bitcoin dropping to such a low is because of the Federal Reserve starting to tighten uh, the economy in the United States. Okay, so now the recent 75 basis point hike, if you take a look at it specifically, if you want to analyze it at the specific time point, the market actually didn't dump, the market actually pumped. And in fact, Bitcoin, 
uh, had one of its best as one of its best weeks since last month. We've been bleeding, but once the Federal Reserve announced this 0.75% hike again, the market actually pumped. Why did it pump? Because the Federal Reserve met investors' expectations. In their previous meetings, they meet usually like every one and a half months in what we call the FOMC meeting. They will lay out their future plans. Okay, and normally Jerome Powell will come out and say that you know we are taking a look at uh, 0.75% hike. We most likely won't go to one percent. Then when it approached to that day of the rate hike itself, when if they really adhere to what they say, then investors will be happy because now they know that the Federal Reserve is not trying to play tricks, right? Because if the Federal Reserve previously says that they want to hike 0.75%, but then they end up like, haha, jokes on you. I'm going to hike one and 1.25%. Then obviously the market is going to tank. Yeah, because it's out of predictions, but if it's in line with what the Federal Reserve said and they really do what they said, then you're going to expect the market to temporarily recover because investors are going, hey, um, you know, at the end of the day, maybe they're not so worried about inflation. You know, maybe uh, inflation might come down in the next few months. Now, this is the Federal Reserve essentially t- taking a bet. The bet is next month's or this month's inflation figure will come down. If this month's inflation figure doesn't come down, Uh, below 9.1% or below uh, analysts' expectations, then you are going to bet that the Federal Reserve in the upcoming meetings they're going to raise rates uh, much higher. This is also one of the reasons why I say, I personally, when we take a look at the economy again, not financial advice, I don't think we are out of the woods yet. There are a lot of like mm. people, you know, taking a look at Bitcoin's current rally and be like, hey, bottom is in, buy 69k all the way to, from here. Yeah. But it's a difficult call if you take a look at. Uh, technical analysis and on-chain data. A lot of it is pointing towards a bottom, but we forget to consider what's essentially driving the market, which is the macro factors, and the macro factors are still, yeah, very bearish in the short term, which is why I believe that you know, firstly we go through a high inflationary phase, and then we are right now in the eye of the storm. Uh, just quoting Mr. Sunny over here, and then after that we'll be hit by a second wave, which is a recession, and uh, yeah. that won't be a pretty sight. Yeah, so. That's the uh, answer to the seventy-five basis point hike on the economy. Yeah, I think at this point everybody is just trying to manage expectations for the time being. But in yeah. personally, I do feel that market sentiments are still actually quite demotivated at this point as well. Yes, because like you said, G, recession is definitely no joke for what is about to come for the next yeah. few months. No, you're you're absolutely right because um, if you took a look at who's buying, nobody's buying. Mm-hmm. No one's buying. All, all the whales out there, they're not really interested to go in right now. Correct. Despite Bitcoin being at such an attractive or unattractive price, you were to say. So you know, again, we take a look at macro factors, and a lot of it is still pointing uh, south in the near in the future lah. For now, yeah. But things might change. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, but I think. I, I cannot agree with you more. So if you look at the chart as well, the resistance is still quite strong. Like we've oh, we've yeah. peaked, I think, for the past week. But at this point as well, it's still not going as strong as we thought it would be too. So definitely, there's something going on there in terms of the macroeconomy perspective. Oh yes, yes, because that's essentially uh, what's driving the markets currently, lah. You know, yeah. yeah. This is something for you guys to consider also. Yeah. Okay. Um, so for those who joined, um, we're actually in our one hour in. We're actually we're discussing this um, an AMA session with the futurists. Um, so any questions that you guys have asked, just put it right down there. Um, Shinji will give away three free tickets uh, for those who are who came up with the best questions here. So just fire away with anything that you have in mind. 
Um, oh yeah, yeah. I think we we talked a lot about economy and stuff like that. I just drew, putting the attention back to you for a bit. Like, what is your long term goal um, for the future? Is well, our long term goal is to just do something like this. Just keep doing something like this, and do live events. And uh, uh, our we are already kind of striving towards our goal. I think we have not achieved it yet because uh, mm. saying that you achieved the goal, then the entire journey doesn't really make any sense anymore. I believe that this goal has to be ongoing, and our constant goal is to always, um, hopefully, educate people about money and the blockchain, and uh, live events, talks. You know, bring knowledgeable speakers in, learn together. Everyone just learn together. It's not like we start a trading group. Come, you. I teach you how to leverage one two five x. You buy here, sell here, you profit. No, 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 no. We're not. Yeah. We're not doing that type of stuff. We, we do in a sense that. We want people who are eager to learn. We'll learn from you. We'll learn from us. We'll share together. We'll exchange what we know. We might have a few arguments along the way, but that's what makes learning fun. Yeah. So mm. so so that's our goal, lah. And uh, so far, I think that um, we've came pretty far, and we will not stop here. So expect more uh, events coming up in the future. We also do have a physical event next Saturday. I'm going to post about it soon, lah, guys. So. Um, be sure to keep your notifications on. Plus, that event is free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so nice. Also, you know, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jaden asks us: Can cryptocurrency can really combat inflation? Oh. <laughs> oh, this is okay. Um, well, like, like, like the early part of the session, we uh, talked about Bitcoin and how it's different from other cryptocurrencies, yeah. right? So, so. Let's just talk about Bitcoin first, because if we go into cryptocurrencies, it's a whole other rabbit hole. Because we've got to start comparing coins, blah blah blah. So, so just just talk about Bitcoin only. Now, in terms of inflation, like I said just now in the earlier session, Bitcoin now is not a store of value, okay? Because it has been losing value. It's not storing any value at all, and it's mm-hmm. losing extremely hard against the US dollar. Okay, right now Bitcoin remains as a speculative asset because it's still a new technology. And it hasn't under underwent the uh, the time that gold has went through, but give it enough time, sooner or later the speculators will start to realize that hey, there's much more value here. And when the adoption is growing, if you take a look at Bitcoin's volatility chart, it will be it's actually coming down, after years after years. Previously, one day you have 70, 80 percent swings back in 2013 when Bitcoin was at its early stages. Right, the 2017 to 2019 bear market, Bitcoin was swinging at like what 20, 30% a day, but now we are mm. seeing less of this. Although we do see it, but maybe it's 20 to 30% in a few days. And in the next few years, we're going to expect Bitcoin to be much less volatile as the asset grows bigger and bigger. After it hits the one trillion dollar mark, it might go for three trillion, four trillion, and at the ultimate goal is to reach to gold's market cap, which is 10 trillion. Okay, so to put you in perspective. If Bitcoin were to reach gold's market cap, which it inevitably will, I believe, okay, Bitcoin will inevitably reach gold's market cap. Just remove your time frame. Don't ask me when. Don't ask me how. I mean, ask me how can, but don't ask me when. I can't provide a time frame. <laughs> yeah, when it reaches gold's market cap at ten trillion dollars, can you guess the price for Bitcoin? Anybody in the audience, or maybe Clarice, you want to take a guess? If Bitcoin <laughs> today reached gold's market cap. How much will one coin be worth? Oh, my biggest guess. I think it will it will go more than two hundred grand at least. I mean, oh, look yeah. at its peak. 
It's uh, peak, it's what, audience. like what, 69, 69 grand? 69, oh, one mil, yeah. Uh, one mil, okay, okay. okay. A- 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 any, any, anybody guessing? Uh? We probably, wow, 520k, that's very specific. <laughs> okay, I'll just tell you guys the answer. The answer is about $577,000. If Bitcoin were to Ooh. reach gold's market cap, really close, Benji. Yeah. And yeah. if you round it up, you know, we, used to, we like to round up 0.5. If you round it up, it's pretty much a billion. Okay. So yeah. so, yeah. So, if Bitcoin were to reach gold's market cap, one Bitcoin will be worth about $500,000. And that's inevitable. Okay. So, uh, th- your answer is short term. No, uh, Bitcoin cannot be used to combat inflation because in this current environment, everybody prefers to hold cash. Cash is king right now. I, not Definitely. losing money is making money. You have majority of the investors, they're just hold, hoarding their cash because they don't want to put in the stock market where they will easily lose 30-40% right? when, when a recession hits. So that's why they're holding cash. They would rather lose it to inflation. So, but, but in the future, definitely you can see Bitcoin uh, as probably a store of value, which is what its main purpose is. Lah. And hopefully it, it will achieve that, uh, that stage. Lah. Okay. So, yeah. I saw one of the comments that we're saying earlier for like mass adoption in terms of where Bitcoin is going to be probably going to be take 30 years. What's the take on that actually, Sinji? What do you think? For, for, for mass adoption? Oh yeah, mm. again, time frame, right? We, we can't put a time frame on this. Now. We, can't, <laughs> we can't see what the government thinks in the next uh, a few years ahead. But if you think about it right now, you take a look at Bitcoin's current price. You fast forward five years, where do you think Bitcoin will be? I can guarantee you... Um, I don't think it's going to be at 20k anymore. It might be a bit higher because from pure, this is from a pure math perspective. Okay, the, the denominator, which is fiat currency, just do a quick simple equation over here. The denominator fiat currency is debasing by at least 10 to 15% per year. We don't know the true extent of government printing. They print, they print tons of money. Some, some states, they print 50, 60% of fiat currencies per year. Right? It's crazy. Okay? It is. Now, you just go with a comfortable figure, like, let's say 5%. With 5% uh, inflation, with five, uh, that means your fiat currency is debasing by 5% per year. Which, at the end of the day, after 5 years, Bitcoin has to have at least that set amount of gains. Like, I can't do the math in my head right now, like, but maybe at least 10 or 30% gain. If you do the, like, the KGA formula stuff. Yeah. So, if you, if you, and then if you take a look at Bitcoin's inflation rate, Bitcoin's inflation rate due to the halving, it will actually half every four years. So the math adds up because with fiat currency debasing at constant 10 to 15% per year and you have Bitcoin inflation dropping by two times every four years, then it is inevitable that Bitcoin will hit whatever price you want it to hit as long as the government Mm. continuously prints money. Then Bitcoin will continue to appreciate, albeit slowly, because it's a volatile asset. So, So... that's the answer to your uh, question. Uh, hopefully, it, it, it clarifies a few doubts. Yeah. Great. So, if uh, if there's anyone in the comment wants to add in more questions, feel free to do so. We're going in for another 15 more minutes. So, this oh, yeah. is the time for you to ask now. Mm. Okay. We've, we've really talked about um, money, inflation. I guess the overall picture here... Um, I think everybody who's in the space is also wanting to see your views on it in a sense where do you see it overtaking the world's monetary system? Well, this will take time. Uh, for Bitcoin, for, for a Bitcoin, for a truly 
a true Bitcoin standard, it will take a lot of time. Because right now, we are seeing, like I said just now, earlier, earlier during the session, countries want to stay in power. They want their currency to be the global reserve currency. Imagine Malaysian ringgit, everybody, you go anywhere, uh, everybody accepts Malaysian ringgit. That's what's happening to the US dollar right now. You go anywhere in the country, except for China maybe. Lah. The, uh, the majority <laughs> of the countries accepting US dollar. And maybe Russia. They're mm. not, probably not accepting US dollars right now. So the government will do in their power to prevent uh, Bitcoin from ascending to a global reserve currency. Mm. But if they were to be a nation who adopts it, and we're not talking about El Salvador, we're not talking about a small fry here. We're talking about maybe a big, powerful country, say Russia. Mm. They were they were kind of close to accept Bitcoin for oil uh, until they did not. They just turned their tails. But let's say if they did, and then they started to go on somewhat of a Bitcoin standard where a Bitcoin is a legal tender within their country. It's not like uh, take over their currency entirely, but like what I said just now, it's like a stable coin, the type of thing. Then the rest of the countries like China, US, India, they are forced to adopt Bitcoin already. Because you are lagging behind the technology, right? And and Russia, when it comes to this type of cryptocurrencies, right? When it comes to gold, this type of store of value type of things, right? Whoever who's the earliest adopter will benefit the most. Which is why I say for those of you guys who currently own a cryptocurrency, cryptocurrencies, especially Bitcoin, no, no financial advice, <laughs> please don't go back and buy more, guys. Please, please, please. Um, <laughs> just be really careful with investing. Do your own research. You are, yeah, yeah. DIY. You are extremely early you are extremely early. You are an extremely early adopter. Okay, and imagine if Russia were to adopt it as a legal tender, then China will follow. Then United States will follow. Then in like five or ten years, you will see all the nations, you go anywhere, oh, hi, would you like to pay uh, using US dollars or Bitcoin or maybe the Russian ruble or something like that, you know? But we do have a few challenges along the way. There's, a, there's quite a bumpy ride. Lah. Eventually, Bitcoin will get there, yes. But right now, you take a look at uh, what's happening between Russia. They're introducing this uh, multipolar currency. They call it BRICS. Mm-hmm. Uh, B-R, B-R-I-C-S. Let me see if I remember the countries. It's Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. These five countries have recently shook their hands together and decided to create a new global reserve currency because they hate the US dollar. The US mm-hmm. dollar has been in power for too long, which is one of the reasons why I say Yes, inevitably we will see the adoption, but the governments will try and slow it down as much as possible. And maybe you will see BRICS, the BRICS currency, overtaking the US dollar first, and Bitcoin is still, you know, kind of lagging behind somewhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. it will take time. It will take a lot of time. So Ding Chao asks, what gives you confidence in crypto and blockchain being in- inevitable? Some copian for us. Okay, yeah. Uh, the reason why uh, Bitcoin is inevitable, I, I, I really sound like a Bitcoin maximalist right now, but uh, <laughs> whoever who's uh, uh, really understand the, the true function of money, uh, they, they will understand that Bitcoin has true value. So let me just track back a bit and uh, talk about history again. Yeah, sorry to bore you guys now. Now, let's take a look at what we always use, money. Okay, For those of you guys who are listening to the talk, take up your wallet right now if it's near you and take up this 5 ringgit or 10 ringgit. Look at it, okay? Really look at it and ask yourself, what do you think about this money? Well, majority of you is just going to say, oh, it's uh, for me to buy stuff. Well, you're not wrong. The purpose of money itself 
is to allow humans to store wealth and use it at a later time. That is precisely why human evolved from uh, 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 like hunter-gatherers to where we are today. It's because of money. Humans can delay their gratification instead of listening to, an, to their animal instinct. I'm hungry, I eat right now. But right now, they have money to store their value. I want to buy later. I want to buy a box to keep my uh, apples longer or stuff like that. The delayed gratification and the creation of money itself allowed human beings to, to, to evolve. And when you took, take a look at the history of money itself, what do humans prefer the most when we, put, when we take a look at the free market? They prefer anything that is scarce. Because, let's say if you were to use salt as money. Okay, why isn't salt considered a, a currency? Why is gold considered hard money compared to salt? Because salt is easily available. And some countries, it's not evenly distributed. Why is oil not considered as a currency? Because some countries, they have a bazillion tons of oil. They, they, they are instantly rich. But when you talk about gold, gold is scarce. Gold, you have to dig. Gold, gold with the mine. You have to spend the energy to harvest that resource. Okay? Now, in the properties of money itself, it's divisible, portable. Uh, divisible meaning that you can divide it. Portable meaning that you can easily carry it. Fungible meaning you can exchange one-to-one. A unit of account. But most importantly, it has to be a store of value. The money that you hold in your pocket right now has to store value over time. Now, when you take a look at fiat currencies, that, that, that paper money in your pocket, it doesn't store any value. It loses value over time. It, it, it's, the biggest, uh, sorry, it's the biggest scam in human history, the creation of government money. Why? Why does it lose value over time? It's because the gov- it's easy money. The government can print it just like salt. The government is able to just dig more and then it's so, it's so easily to be harvested. Where previously, if it's tied to gold, the government had actually had to allocate resources in order to mine more gold. Right? So this ties to the stock-to-flow model, which I won't really dive deep into. But when you take a look at the current fiat monetary world, where everything is run by easy money, the government is at the top. They can print the money, then they are, they are able to spend it first. Then after that, the money trickles down to the, to, the, to the middle class, and then the middle class spends it, then it trickles down to the poor class. So essentially, when you have the money printer, what I'm going to do right now, if today I can print money, I'm going to print myself $10 million. Mm-hmm. When I print myself $10 million, I'm going to buy 10 properties everywhere. And I get to spend that money first. You know? I get to spend that money in the current economy. Nothing has risen in price yet. I get to buy everything at the current price. This is what people in power are doing. This is how the rich people stay rich. Okay? Because it's because money reaches them first. Then they spend that money. Yeah. Then they spend that money, then it trickles down. And all this originated from easy money with the government's ability to print and and, and whatever. Yeah, world is also living in credit. Thank you, uh, investment yeah. rich. We are massively indebted. This is also a great point, another rabbit hole for us to dive into. And again, back to my point, with your ability to print money and issue credit, right? And banks uh, doing this fractional reserve lending, stuff like that, not going to dive too deep in that. Then you take a look at the current society. This is why you have a very huge wealth disparity. The really productive people, like teachers, farmers, uh, labor, laborers, like those people who wake up at 6 a.m. to sell quid, they cannot survive. But those who survive, those who make tons of money, are those people who are fund managers, are those politicians, are those uh, who ministers. Who already in rich. Yes, exactly. So, this, this, uh, to summarize this up, this, uh, this is called the Cantillon effect. I did, I did actually uh, 
covered a post about this also. Go to our Instagram profile. If you want a further understanding on this, go and read the Cantillon effect. You'll really understand how the rich people stay rich. It's because money reaches them first. And how does money reach them first? It's because it's easy money. Anybody can print money. Now, when you take a look at Bitcoin in itself, the government can't print it. The government can't issue it. The government can't control it. The government can't reverse your transaction. The government can't do anything about it. Just think of Bitcoin as like the Bible. Okay, going a bit into Christianity here. Uh, I'm not a Christian. <laughs> I'm not religious. Okay, so, 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 so don't come and sue me later after this, anyone. Just for pure example. If today I give you a challenge, will you be able to burn all the Bibles in the world and, and, and ensure that none of the copies of the Bible remain? It's difficult, right? You cannot eliminate the Bible because who owns the Bible? Nobody. Well, God essentially, but, but who owns the Bible? Which human owns the Bible? Nobody. It's public property. It's public property. Nobody is owning that thing. Everybody owns the Bible, but don't own the Bible at the same time. Today, I can just pick up the Bible and read it and be a Christian. But I also can refuse it and say that I want to change my religion. It's a free market, right? And now when you relate this to Bitcoin, imagine now this, apart from the ability to print, now your ability to print is limited because Bitcoin only has 21 million. If you want to print more Bitcoin, you go and mine yourself. Uh, you go and... Uh, invest in resources you go and spend that energy you go and spend that time for your computers to mine that amount of Bitcoin right so essentially you're allocating resources to create money essentially it's not easy money essentially Bitcoin is hard money it's difficult to create Bitcoin that's why you have miners all around the world trying to compete to solve a block to be able to get that certain amount of Bitcoin that is why this currency or this uh, money is needed. Because if you take a look at gold, now your question might be, then why isn't gold adopted as uh, uh, the world's currency? Well, because the United States still holds about 30 to 40% of the world's gold. You will still go back to problem number one, where uh, the United States is able to control the world's economy. This is why majority of the world right now, they're still holding gold, but they don't want to go back to the gold standard because if they go back to the gold standard, everybody have to listen to the, what uh, the United States again. Uh, the United States says again. Yeah. So at the end of the day, when you take a look at easy money and uh, the corrupt being in power, the only way to solve it is to be able to have a money that cannot be manipulated by the greedy people, by the corporations, by, by, by those people who want to bring more money and blah, blah, blah. And that, I believe, is the sole reason why uh, I'm and a bit involved in Bitcoin right now. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> uh, right. I get long answer on that one. <laughs> I think I think you can think about two really more questions, like, Clarice. I think you can mm. think about two more questions, Clarice. Yeah. Can. All right. Let's see. Um. Should we? Should we take uh, Benz's question? Could the major countries decide to jointly agree to banning Bitcoin and crypto by forcefully stopping all crypto exchanges and controlling internet use? I think that's Possible. already happening now in China. Yeah. In, in that sense. Yep. Mm. Yeah, it, it happened, in, which is back in May last year, why we see Bitcoin dip from its previous all-time high of about 67k, it dipped all the way to a low of 30k, was when China and Tesla both banned Bitcoin. Tesla stopped accepting Bitcoin payments and China cracked down Bitcoin mining. Well, now look at it, right, right now China is about 30% of the world's uh, yeah. mining hash rate. They're back again, they're all doing underground mining. 
which is why I say it can't be stopped. Even though the government will try and stop it, will try and restrict your internet, will try and tell you that it's against the law, nobody can stop you from a free market. Nobody can stop you from accessing the internet. You can just use a VPN. And and, and 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 go and buy Bitcoin only. Like remember Binance, a classic case is Binance. Binance banned in Malaysia, right? People just download a VPN, you can access it already. The same case, exactly. sorry guys, not, not not encouraging you guys to go and download Binance. Uh, but if you guys want to go and download Binance, go and use our referral code, okay? Very nice juicy discount. Okay, so 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 <laughs> that part aside. Uh, that part aside. Um it's something that cannot be controlled. So 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 uh, even if the governments will try and ban it, yes, they will stifle innovation, yes, Bitcoin's price will drop. But at the end of the day, you can't kill this technology. This technology is just unkillable. Because as long as there is one computer out there mining Bitcoin, it can replicate itself again. It's just like, it's just like cockroach, you know. You, 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 you kill the cockroach over here, but you're not killing the nest. And there are so many nests out there, you know. You, you can't completely eradicate all of these things. So, yeah, that's why it's pretty much unstoppable, uh, despite... You see, how many years has China, every year they ban Bitcoin. China announced ban Bitcoin, ban Bitcoin, ban Bitcoin. But Bitcoin still proceed to make its all-time high, which is why you, be, you are able to see uh, Bitcoin's resilience in, especially uh, in terms of government regulation over here. Okay. Well, yeah, well good point. Okay, you're, you're saying this is just one country. But if other countries, they jointly ban it, which is highly unlikely. Okay. Uh, if you have multiple countries jointly banning Bitcoin, this is highly unlikely because... They, they want to be the first mover here. They want, to, they want to adopt that particular technology. They want to make sure that they beat another country. Now, if today, let's say, United States, they have been secretly accumulating Bitcoin. You don't know. Maybe the Fed has been buying Bitcoin. Just big speculation here, okay? Don't quote me. And then, let's say, uh, Russia, Russia and, and China and then and, and US says that, hey, let's make a deal. We want to ban Bitcoin because Bitcoin is destroying our currency, which is highly unlikely. They do it, they won't even want to talk to each other anymore. In the case where they talk to each other, it's impossible for them to jointly ban Bitcoin because they just won't do it. Yeah. Then in that case, the United States, where previously they were accumulating Bitcoin, they are not the winners. Because they, they were like, you know, secretly stacking it and stuff like that. Yeah. So I would it, also it won't say make that sense the to people, me. I would also say that people actually hold much more power than, oh, yes. than we actually think. You know, yes. so with even if government were to ban us, I'm pretty sure like us being human beings, we won't be able to to make that happen. So in that sense, I I don't know. I have a mixed feeling here actually. So I don't think that would actually happen. It's uh again, uh, things things might surprise you lah. So I I mm. won't dare to guarantee that it won't happen, but I think it's highly unlikely that countries join together and ban a technology which at the end of the day. It's not their priority. They have much more better stuff to do. You know, like they, they might as well just create a new currency. Good point. Uh, the BRICS, yeah. like BRICS, right? Huh? Just take take a new currency to take over the world. You know, so that's what they're doing right now. Yeah. Oh. Okay. All right. I think ah, uh, uh, Sinji. So I think it has been a really good run. Uh, we want to thank everyone who actually uh, who came to our channel and support. Um. All right, I think just to entertain this one last one, um, how long is the winter going to be? We need to see the sun. <laughs> wow. Uh, again, I don't like, I don't like uh, uh, putting time frames when it comes to predictions because if you really understand uh, the true purpose of uh, investing itself and if you really understand how Bitcoin works, how money works, 
then you will have a very long time frame. You probably won't even sell a single set. Yeah. For me, is that I won't even sell a single set. Okay, I, I'm not even planning to sell a single satoshi from my Bitcoin. It's like no way I'm giving. I'm, I'm going to let the governments take my Bitcoin or what or whatsoever. But just to entertain the question itself. Uh, and looking at the current outlook in the market, it depends on what type of recession that we are going to have. We are definitely going to have a recession. Okay, it's uh, unavoidable. Maybe we are already in one. Okay, whether it's a mild recession, a moderate recession, or a heavy recession, we do not know. And most the factor has uh, the market has currently factored in a mild recession. Now this is from Mr. Sania, the economist. And if we were to have a moderate to heavy recession. You're probably going to see the crypto winter stretch out to 2023, 2024. Yeah, so safe to say that uh, don't quote me on this. It, it it might happen. It might not happen. It's just based on my own predictions. We may not see uh, the all-time high for Bitcoin probably until in another 12 months. We may not see the all-time high. So don't keep your hopes up, lah, guys. But at the same time. Don't take whatever I say as financial advice, ah, <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, just gotta protect myself uh, over here. DYOR at all time, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but but thanks, right. thanks, thanks, guys for joining. Thank you so much. It really means a lot to Thank me. Thank you and, so uh, much. Yeah. Um. So just a quick recap, guys. So Sinji has an upcoming webinar that's happening in August 11. Um. The blockchain unravel. And if you want to catch Sinji in person, do come to Minted. Um. Our conference is happening on the 27 to the 28 of August at KL Park. Thank you guys so much for tonight. Um. And hope to see you guys soon. Oh yes. Yeah. So just let me close the session. Uh. Once and for all. First things first is uh. If you guys are interested to join the course. The course on 11th of August. It only costs about 0.01 BNB, which in Malaysian ringgit is about 10 to 15 ringgit. Okay, so for those of you guys who are interested but don't have a Pentas or MetaMask wallet, don't hesitate to DM me uh, at Futurist NY, and we will process your payment with fiat. Okay, so another event which to look out for, which I will post later, is on 13th of August, the upcoming Saturday. There will be a live event also. And this month itself, on twenty second of August, uh, Minted Asia is having an NFT event, right? It's on twenty second, right? That's right. And um, the event will last uh, a week, twenty second to twenty eighth of August. This, from my understanding, and the tickets are going for what? Uh, what are the price? What is the price again? At the moment, it's at zero point one BNB. You can take it in Pentas as well. Or 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 like what? One hundred fifty ringgit, right? Yes. But if but if they use my code, I have some I have like some special discount code. Of right? course. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, so, so for those use... of you guys, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go go, go, <laughs> ahead, Cindy, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. So um, because I've been invited to Minted Asia's event on twenty second to twenty eighth of August, I have actually a special referral code. Um, I will probably put it out to the public later. But for those of you guys who want to use the referral code. You will get a twenty percent discount. So instead of costing one hundred and fifty ringgit for seven days, it will now cost you one hundred and twenty-four ringgit for seven days. Something like that. Yep, that's so, right. So yeah, DM me if you guys are interested in anything, like guys, or you guys can approach uh, uh, Minted Asia also. Yeah, but yeah, it's been fun. Uh, thank you so much, guys. Yeah, it's it's a really great session. Thank you so much for your insights, Cindy. No problem. No problem. All right. Goodbye, All right. Guys. Good night. Have a good night, guys. Bye.